Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Matt Connor Whiteley, bringing you psychology news and easy to understand and engaging psychology facts. For more information and the backlist episode show notes and more information on psychology topics, please go to connorwhiteley.net and I hope you enjoy the show. everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Psychology World Podcast. Today's episode is going to be on localization. but before that I'll be going to move into the psychology news section. So as you know for the past like two weeks I've been telling you about some interesting news articles from the November 2019 edition of The Psychologist from the British Psychological Society and today's article is a bit of it is sort of similar to last week's news which is about the Voice Hero project I project if you've not listened to last week's episode I definitely would because the neuroplasticity itself is very interesting topic however the Voice Hero project is very interesting and it's quite new and it's very interesting as it tries to encourage social change. And this week's article is, is actually quite similar. So in the November 2019 edition, edition, there was an article on on yeah, well, like online obesity. And because I'm I'm trying to consider rewriting or trying or trying to do a second edition of my of my health psychology book, which you can find it connorwhitely.net for more information it did pique my interest because I was hoping that it was going to give me an idea for a few new chapters so what this new obesity idea and this article is about is that it's actually trying to it's actually trying to de-stigmatise obesity because obesity in society does have a very negative connotation and it is very stigmatised. Like if you're obese, society doesn't society does frown upon you. And if you're obese, you are quite stigmatised. Now I must say, when I read this article, I was thinking, okay, this is interesting because, on the one hand, a possible benefit of being stigmatised that it does give people motivation to lose weight. Weight, and I guess that could have happened to me because this way, because this year I've lost a lot of weight. Right. However, being stigmatised is not nice, and and also some people being obese, it's not their fault. It's actually quite the opposite because if you have certain eating disorders, then that can make you fat and obese without it being your fault. So, I actually do agree with this article that it does need to be that it does need to try and be de-stigmatised. Yes, and there's actually some quite interesting other points. Other points, which actually links uh, to persuasion, which I had a social psychology lecture on recently. So that was actually quite interesting because it was really linked to uh, the Feynman effect, which, as we know from from a few episodes ago, from episode two, we uh, now know that the Feynman effect that can the Feynman effect can really impact how we perceive uh, information, and it can. Uh, and it can make our thinking quite biased. So linking this to health, this to health can 
campaigns and also the article itself as well as my persuasion lecture. The phone effect can be very powerful because in persuasion, in persuasion, it's okay to arouse fear in people. However, however, persuasion is a lot more effective if you, if you promote fear, fear and give them a solution. So you could frame it that. Yes, there's this apocalyptic downside, however, there is hope. So, let's take smoking, now actually, let's take obesity for example. So, you could promote fear, saying that, oh, yeah, well, like, if you're obese, then you're going to get type 2 diabetes, you're going to die early, and all of those negative things. However, you can say that if you join this NHS programme, there's, I don't know, there's a 95% chance that you're going to live longer, you're going to lose weight, and you're going to live a happier life. So because you're given that bit of hope, people are more likely to be persuaded by that. So it's probably going to be about next year's June-July that I'm going to release the second edition of my social psychology book, which I will look at persuasion and, everyth- and 12 new chapters in a lot more detail. So I'm actually quite looking forward to writing. So this obesity approach I do quite like because to summarise, to summarise, it shifts away from mental illness and just illness in general, which is connotated as bad, very evil, and it's not and it's not nice, and it moves it towards mental health, which can be more positive and can be more effective than mental illness to some extent and they are essentially the same thing to some extent however it's just different approaches so in mental illness you focus on the bad however in mental health you focus on the good and promoting it so this approach hopefully will gain attraction in a few years and you never know obesity might not be might not be stigmatized as much, and people and people might be more might be more willing to tackle tackle obesity if they're not stigmatized. So it's something interesting to keep an eye on, and hopefully engage with the public in the future. The only thing I will say is that I think this would be very interesting to see how the public engages with this, because for as long as I can remember. God, yeah, I'm not that old. I'm only like 18. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, sorry if I make myself sound a lot older than I actually am. Um, for as long as anyone can remember, because I did ask about this from, for, for my parents, my grandparents, and obesity has always been a negative. So, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see if people can get over the fact that obesity is bad and they could start to de-stigmatise it. However, I have no doubt that in the future this will happen because, because again, if we look at homosexuality, that was de-stigmatised and that was made legal 51 years ago. And if we look at a more recent example and a bit more of a relevant example to the general population, mental health... If you go 10, 20 years ago, if you had mental health problems, society basically told you to be quiet and suffer in silence. However, nowadays, you can more or less openly talk about it and get help a lot easier. So, let's hope that this will take time. However, as the listeners and as, and as people interested in psychology, we can actually help this along by 
First of all, changing our own attitude, and then maybe trying to persuade and help others to realise this as well. As well, so it'd be interesting. And I and oh, and I honestly wish this obesity project and the voice hearing project the best of luck. Hopefully, and you never know if they take off, I might be able to do a, a podcast episode on them. Yeah, but like on them both. So right now that that's done, let's move on to the personal update section. So moving on to the personal update section for today. Really good. So it's been a very busy term from university. And it's also been a very interesting term term because I now have done like my first term at like university. I'm understanding like a lot more about how like university works. I've submitted four bits of coursework, which was like quite a lot. But moving on to the more writing side of it, it's also been quite interesting to some extent because it's been interesting and uh, and a bit challenging, challenging because as I mentioned on my blog a few like a months ago, when it comes to these modules. Some modules I can I can see a book forming very quickly and easily. For example, my forensic psychology book. I'm going to start that very soon because I'm determined to get that published for early June. No, no, no sorry, sorry, for early like January. Yeah, so that should be quite straightforward to write. So, yeah, and. And it's just other modules are just a bit, I don't know, I'm honestly going to have to sit down, look at all the information I've got from these modules and think which bit should enter a book, which bit shouldn't, or I'm just like going to have to think, or, or I'm just going to think about how to like structure it because I think it's like going to be very messy and to like organise it. That should be an interesting challenge in the future. So it should be uh, interesting. But it's yeah, but be Christmas in about it should be good and uh, quite exciting. I've got tons like to do. I've I've got to see a family. I've got to do some like Christmas cooking, which I've already had some comments on, such as yes, from like various like readers. So I'm definitely going to be showing like you all at the Christmas cooking. Now that you guys want to see it, I hope it like goes out well. So it should be interesting. Yeah, so like let's get on with the show. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of my absolute favourites, and I know I say this a lot, but I just love it. I just love psychology in all of its forms, actually you know, in most of its forms. There's some areas of psychology I just hate. However, this is honestly one of my favourites. It was the first psychology topic I actually learned properly when I started IB Psychology, and I hope that you're all going to love it like, as much as I do. So today's episode will be on localization, and this I just honestly find amazing. So localization is the theory or the idea that certain areas of the brain are responsible for certain for certain behavioural functions. For example, the frontal lobe, which is the front part of the brain, that is associated with higher order thinking, judgment, and all of those quite intelligent 
characteristics that uh, yeah, but that tends to put us apart from other animals. However, the optical lobe, which is the, the back of the brain, that is associated with sight and a vision. And then you have the parietal lobe and uh, and the temporal lobe, which is in which is in the middle of the brain. Brain, and I say associated with because. We can't say definitively that one lobe of the brain is responsible for only one behaviour or only that certain behaviour because, as you'll see in a later study that I'm going to tell you about, it's actually quite difficult to, to say that one area is responsible for it because you have this other thing called equipotentiality, which is the ability for one area of the brain to take over the function of another. That's why we say associated because there's a strong link between that area of the brain and that function, but to essentially protect ourselves, we can't say that it's 100% certain. Now, localization can actually be split up into two areas. Strong localization, which is, which is uh, the idea that that, is that that area, or localized function, is associated for that behavior, such as like, that behavior is only found in that area, for example, the strong localization that the yes, but that vision is found in the optical lobe, and then uh, there's something called weak localization, which is when, to put it simply, which is when that area of the brain is a yeah, well, like that behavior is localized to that area. However, other areas of the brain can take over if needed. That's something like bear in mind. But I find it interesting because this concept I do. I don't know, I don't know, I just find it really like, interesting, especially some other studies do definitely make it a lot more interesting. So the first thing that we're going to be looking at is called TAN. Yeah, so TAN isn't the actual um, researcher, researcher. He, was the, he was actually the subject. And this study was done in 1865, so it's definitely one, that, one of the oldest studies that I know. And this... And this wasn't experimental, it was sort of just a like observational study. In fact, this is a case study. So what happened was was that uh, was that this that person called Le Bruchot, by the age of thirty, he had a, he had lost the ability to speak. However, later he developed gangrene fever, and then he was treated by the French physician Bocon. And uh, what happened was, was, um, was that, well, was that by then he could only say the syllables tan, which he could usually repeat it twice. So, and then what happened was that, was that, that Brock had found that his, um, well, that his ability to like speak and advise was that, well, was that the only impairment because he understood when you were talking to him. So he wasn't stupid, as you would say, it's like back then, because of course, like back then, if you if you were disabled, you were considered like, stupid. Yeah, but then, yeah, but then I broke on called the condition bronchoaphasia, which is the loss of articulated speech. And then he essentially documented the condition. But then, when Tan died at age fifty one, Bronchon conducted a brain autopsy, which I, and what Bronchon found was that well, was that Tan had a brain lesion in the frontal left hemisphere of the brain. But as of the IB, I'd like you to be specific, 
it was the posterior inferior frontal glands known as the bronchial area. So let's just uh, yeah, so like let's just forget the posterior inferior frontal glands area, and let's just call it the bronchial area. Following this, Bronchial didn't rush to publish his findings because he studied another twenty-five people with bronchial aphasia before concluding that the bronchus area con metroed a speech. So this shows that localization is real and it supports localization because because as Bronkrin found that when an area of the brain is damaged then that, that behaviour was well was essentially destroyed or damaged severely. Therefore it's feasible to conclude that the bronchus area Contrary to speech, because uh, because after these twenty five people plus ten, when their bronchus area was damaged, they lost the ability to form articulated speech. Moving on to critical thinking, the study is very effective because not only does it demonstrate the localization effectively, it's actually quite a repeatable study because as Bronkin did himself. He studied another 25 people before he published his findings, so he had a lot of data to support his conclusions with. However, there's a bit of evidence that does cast doubt on this. Not majorly, because I still believe in the findings, but I think they are very credible. However, Bronkman decided to preserve Tan's brain, which is perfectly fine and it's actually very clever of him, was it because it means that it can be studied in the future. So a hundred years later, Tan's brain was dissected, and the results were not good. The brain lesion wasn't as neat and confined to the frontal left hemisphere as I previously thought. So the problem with this is that you can easily argue that, you know, but that Tan's loss of articulated speech was not because of the brain lesion in the frontal left hemisphere. It can actually be because of the brain damage to other areas of the brain. So there's not so this definitely weakens out yes, this definitely weakens at the argument that the bronchus area is responsible for speech. Speech, especially as you can now say that because the brain lesion damaged other areas of the brain, another area could be responsible, or it could be an entire brain region that was responsible for articulated speech and not just the bronchus area. So it does cast a bit of doubt. To add even more doubt to it, our next study certainly doesn't support localization either. Either. And um, I know I keep saying that there's a lot of doubt in it. So because there isn't, it's just in this modern age we know that some functions are localized, for example, speech and and some other examples. However, memory and some other behaviours are not localised. They are certain areas of the brain are responsible for different types of memory, for example. However, it's however it's a pretty spread out throughout the brain brain, to put it simply. So my next study is Kyle Slashley. So what he did was that <laughs> he did something quite unethical to that, which to but you could probably still get away with now. But granted, how people feel about that, I doubt people care. So what these are, yes, like what, yes, like what Slashy did was that he induced brain damage 
damage in the opponent's rats. So in a typical egg experiment, you would train a rat to, to go through a maze to, for, to find food. And once this rat had learned had the maze off by heart, and he was finding the food primitive without error, error so, um, a slash leaf would have removed a part of its brain. Now these are proportions ranged from 10% to 50%. However, it was always from the back of your brain. And uh, yes, and yes, and uh, the research, um, yes, and the research's reasoning was that if you find is that if you keep removing bits of, uh, yeah, but like a bit of the brain out, then surely if the memory's localized, removing certain areas of the brain, but then you'll eventually find it. The search was a failure. He did not find a localized spot of the brain, so he concluded that memory was distributed evenly. Modern research agrees with him to some extent, however we now know that memory isn't spread as evenly and uniformly as, uh, yeah, but like, as like slashly thought. So, he was right to some extent, and, and then backed up his data, his data with uh, two findings. The principle of mass action refers to the amount of the brain removed is relatable to the deterioration of a performance and the inefficiency of a learning. learning. So to put it in simpler terms, the more the brain, yeah, so like the more of the brain that you that you move, move the worse the performance is that going to be. Yeah, because of the number of cells are destroyed, not because of the location of the cells. And then he also supported it by something that I said earlier, which is equipotentiality, which is the ability for one part of the brain to take over the function of another. So like critically thinking, this study is very methodical and and its construct validity, which is how good is the measurement? Yes, but like how good is the measurement tool used? Good at measuring. So it's a construct validity is quite good because this is an effective way to measure to measure how how removing chunks chunks of the brain can show deterioration of performance. However, though, however, you've always got this. However, you've always got this argument about how relatable, how relatable are animals to humans. Now, just to make it clear, I'm not saying that we should do this to humans, that is very wrong and just purely unethical. However, because this is just a like critical thinking point, it's just like, good to point out some potential weaknesses of the study. But personally, I think that this is a very good study. study. But being critical, the problem is, is that the rats may not accurately reflect how the human brain works. So, and that's a possible reason about why there's a, a different opinion about what Slashley found and what modern research found, because, because of course, like Slashley found that the, the rat brain's memory could actually be distributed quite evenly. However, modern research says that humans are different from that conclusion. So that is a very tenuous link about that rats. Yeah, but animals and humans, you can't always 100% relate to their findings together. Bringing everything together, localization is uh, the idea that is uh, certain uh, behaviors are localized to one specific area of the brain. For example, in a tan 19, no, in a tan 1865, Five of black brokers that demonstrated that the broker's area 
is responsible for articulated speech. Speech, on the other hand, Slashly shown has like shown us that not all behaviours are localised to specific areas. For example, memory in this case. Yes, like I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you want to know more about biological psychology, or if you want to research, or if you want to research localization in more detail, then please, yeah, type in the like, please check out my biological psychology book. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you found it useful and engaging. Well, like, if you want the show notes, backlist episodes, and more information on psychology, on psychological topics, please check out ConnorWhitley.net. And if you want to get a free book, as well as other news about writing and psychology, then please check out. Yeah, but then please sign up for my newsletter at ConnorWhitley.net. Have a great week, everyone.